coming back this morning. <laughs> it's so good to be back. Uh, I just want to say that during that time of praying for each other during worship, I mean, that was amazing. Thank you for being a church that responds. Uh, that was so powerful. So uh, thank you for stepping out in that. But yes, it does feel good to be home. Feels good to be back. I mean, it's great to be on vacation, but it's so good to sleep in your own bed, right? Like, it's just, it's just it's that, I got that feeling. So, uh, and I, I think I shook off the rust in the last service, so hopefully you guys are getting the, 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 the rust shaken off version of Omar, but I'm gonna try my best. Uh, I'm still like two hours ahead a little bit in my body, so hopefully my mind catches up. So let's just see if, how this goes. But uh, I, I'm just so glad to be back. Uh, I wanna give a shout out to my man JC, Pastor JC, for uh, preaching while I was gone. So cool, I was teasing him about his intro of That's in the Bible. How many of you guys enjoyed that? I, I, was, I, I was laughing. I, I was in, on the plane and I was listening and I was laughing and people were wondering like, what's up with that guy? It was you, buddy, it was you. But uh, it was good and thank you for your prayers. I know last time I was up here, uh, you know, I asked for prayer and many of you guys decided to pray for our family, and I just wanna thank you for that. I felt the prayers, and uh, it, it was so good uh, to be with my family on a little vacation, and uh, we really got revived and refreshed, and so we're so thankful for that. Um, so, so thank you for your prayers, thank you for your covering. Uh, every Sunday, I was having a hard time trying to figure out what to do with myself around this hour. I knew you guys were having church, but I was praying for you, and I uh, got to listen to the podcast, and Pastor Eleanor did an amazing job last week, and uh, I, I just, I love her, I love that we get to partner together in this, in this region of Puget Sound, so I, I'm excited for that. But let's begin in prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together. Let us never take it for granted, God. God, I thank you for what, the, what you've already done and we know that you're continuing to work in our hearts, so I pray that right now we lay down any distraction. I pray right now, God, that all of our gaze is set on you, God. I pray, God, as we listen to your word, that we open our hearts to it, God, and that we receive it with joy, gladness, because we know your word is good. And so I just pray that you help me, give me the strength and energy to proclaim your word with everything I got, because your people deserve that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're gonna continue in our series through the book of Proverbs called Words to the Wise, Words to the Wise. And you know, we kind of been going around, flipping through it, uh, the book of Proverbs. I hope you guys are studying the book of Proverbs this month. I kind of gave a challenge out there at the beginning of this series to say, hey, join us uh, on a daily devo of reading a chapter of Proverbs a day. How many of you guys have been doing that? Yeah, and it's just been, it's been so great to do it with you and to enjoy uh, just doing something together as we study God's word. Uh, it, it's been fun. But today we're gonna uh, flip back. We're gonna go to chapter four. So if you have your Bibles, you can scroll to or, or flip to uh, the book of Proverbs, chapter four, chapter four, and that, as you're uh, trying to find that, uh, I'm gonna give you a couple of uh, fun facts about the Laras, fun facts about the Laras. Number one is that uh, we, we love being around bodies of water, like that's just, that's just our jam, like any, anywhere we go, we like it, whether it's a lake or I'll even take a creek sometimes, you know, if I can't get water around. Uh, a beach is awesome, so we just love going to the beach. We love living in Tacoma at the time because we just love going down to Ruston, like to go to Redondo. How many of you guys are people that you just love being around the water? Like, we just get refreshed around water. We just, we love it. And, uh, and so we were blessed this, this year to, to be at a beach and to hang out at the beach, and, and that, that was awesome. We spent a lot of time there. That's, that's just gonna be our thing. When we go somewhere like that, we just wanna stay by the water the entire time. Uh, so we have a lot of fun. Now, my middle child, 
She, um, she loves jumping waves, like that's just her thing. And she kind of tired everybody out in it, but she was still going strong, like on day three, she just wanted to be out in the water, out in the ocean. And so she finally, you know, I, I think I uh, drew the short straw because next thing I know, she's like dragging me out. She's like, dad, come out with me, come out with me. And I'm just kind of like, ah, I don't know about it. She's like, come on, come on, I can't say no to her, right? She's up here, shout out to J-Love, Todd. And uh, so she, she drags me out. And I, I say drag because I'm going into Fun fact number two about the Laras, uh, I, I am not the strongest swimmer. Yeah. Uh, Micah, are you laughing at me? <laughs> Micah has said that he would teach me, give me swimming lessons, but I'm not the strongest swimmer. Uh, I, I try to prove to my family that I can swim because I dog paddle, that's the method that I choose. And so uh, it's really funny seeing a grown man dog paddling around the pool, but I do it, and I get by, that's just my method, that's how I, get, that's how I go. Um, but, uh, but she's dragging me out, and so we're out in the, in, in the ocean, and, and I go out to the water, and it's just fun, you know, we're ankle deep, it's, it's nice, you know, you try to test the water's temperature, and you're out there, and, you know, that gets kind of boring after a while, so, you know, I go knee deep, and we're out there, and, you know, the waves are crashing in, it's just fun, we're having good father-daughter time, and, you know, I'm starting to get a little bold, you know, and go, okay, let's, let's go waist deep. So, so we're going waist deep in there. And, you know, at that point, you know, you're really feeling the crash of the waves, right? You're, you're feeling kind of, it kind of lifts you up each time it comes. And, and, and then that was fun. We're having, a lot, we're having a lot of fun together. And then, um, you know, I'm getting a little more bolder. And so I'm like, okay, let's, let's go. Let's go a little deeper. So I'm kind of dragging her out. And we're going farther out. And I'm about chest deep, you know. And, uh, and it's just fun because at this point, man, the waves are really lifting you up, and then, and then you go back down, hit the floor, up and down, and that's just a lot of fun, and you know, I'm just feeling good, and I'm like, right, let's go a little further, you know, just, just, just a couple more feet, so we go out, you know, and I'm neck deep, and I, I know I'm not the tallest guy in the room, right, but I'm still taller than her, so like my neck deep is like her nose deep, right, and so we're out there, and we're having fun, and, and, and these waves are amazing, and we're going up and going down, up and down, and uh, all of a sudden, like, this big wave just comes and just crashes and brings me down, and I just go into the water, right? And, uh, and then I pop back up. And when I pop back up, I'm looking for Jayla. She's no longer in front of me. Now she's behind me. And yeah, uh, that's how I felt, right? My, my heart dropped, and, and I turn around, I look, and she's, she's like, a little, you know, a couple feet away from me, and, and all of a sudden, the waves keep taking around. And I'm noticing that these waves are getting stronger. And, uh, and then I look around, I notice that people are all the way on the right of us or left of us. We're the only ones in this like, little area. And I realize we're like in a dangerous place. And everything in me, man, I, I'm like, man, that's my daughter. I gotta go get her. And, and, you know, and she's, she's popping her head up. She's trying to get herself up and she's trying to do her best. But I'm like, no, that's my girl. That's my daughter. I mean, some of you parents understand, like, there's just something in you that you, you, I just wanna go in. But I was like, I can't. I want to, but I can't, and I shouldn't, and I knew I made a very bad decision here, but in, in all that, I'm like, I gotta figure something out, I gotta do something, and I was ready to go farther in, and I know that was a bad decision, a bad choice, but as a parent, man, when there's somebody you love, you're just like, man, I'll do whatever it takes for my girl, and I remember feeling that feeling, and luckily, by the grace of God, and I think by your prayers, there was this guy that was already in the water, and he goes in and he tries to like, you know, bring her in and, and all of a sudden she's coming closer to me and I just snatch her hand and I bring her in and I'm like fighting all the waves to get back to the beach and I'm hugging her and kissing her and she's like, dad, what's your problem? Why are you freaking out? <laughs> I'm like, I thought I lost you. I mean, I'm thinking the worst case scenario, you know, and I'm just like, never again, never again, never again. And from that day on, man, I was like keeping my eyes on her. I only went waist deep. I mean, I was like safe as can be. 
I think we've all had experiences where we were trying to protect something we cared about, something we loved. Maybe we felt times where we felt like we made a bad decision and compromised it or dropped the ball and we just felt like this thing of, man, I, I, I could have done better, I shouldn't have done that. And, you know, this is the thing. And we feel that sense of protecting something we love. Well, this morning we're gonna talk about something in our lives that was given by God to us to protect, to hold on to, to keep watch of. Something very valuable, something very important. And the book of Proverbs gives us instructions on how we ought to care for it, how we ought to protect it, how we ought to keep it safe. That this is so important that it's gotta be uh, something we think about often, something that dominates our thinking. It's an assignment given to us by God that we need to pay close attention to. Something so important, so, so, so great for us that it affects every part of our lives. I'll go so far to say this, is that, that it can change the trajectory of your life. It's that important. It's that valuable. So if you have your Bibles, hopefully I've given you enough time to find Proverbs chapter four. And our key verse today is verse 23. And it says this, it starts out and he says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Now, in the original language, man, everything means everything you do. Everything you do. So my hope this morning, with the time that I've been given, is that I'm gonna try my hardest to answer some questions, some important questions in regards to this passage, in regards to this very important instructions given by God. Number one is, what is our heart? What is this heart he's talking about? I mean, we know that it's more than just the muscle that's pumping blood through our body, but we know what a heart is. We know, we understand, we have a, a good understanding of what a heart, but what does the Bible say about our heart? What's the definition from God from our hearts? Because I think that maybe for some of us, it might be a different definition of what you imagine. Number two, why do we need to guard it? Why, why, why is instructions that strong, that fierce? And, and who's threatening it? What's coming against it? Why do I need to guard it? More importantly is how then can I guard this heart? How can I secure it? So the first principle this morning for you to write down is understand the importance of the heart. You have to understand the priority of the heart. Now I've read through the Bible quite a few times and, and I don't think I've seen a lot of passages that start off this way. It says, above all else. The English Standard Version says, with all diligence. Like, it's that important. Actually, the original language in the Hebrew says this, more than all guarding, guard. You ever have somebody give you something that was very valuable to them? Something very expensive or something very important, and they're handing it to you, and they're looking at you, and they're like, be careful with this. Like, like, like be really careful. I do this to my kids all the time. Like, I, I don't even let go of it yet. I just wanna make sure that they give one more opportunity to tell me that they're gonna do the best they can to care for this the most they can, right? You have to go like, hey, be really careful with this. You ever done that before? That's what he's saying. That's the tone of this passage is, is, is you gotta care for this. You gotta take very good care and that's the instructions that this author has. So what's at stake? Why is this so important? Well, see, the Bible uses the heart as a metaphor to talk about the innermost part of us, our heart, innermost part of us. And, and, and you gotta understand, especially the Old Testament, it's written in a Middle Eastern mentality, which is a lot different than our Western mentality. I'll explain that a little bit. See, in the Western mentality, what we're used to, we, when we think of, of our hearts, 
uh, often, if I did a survey this morning and I, and I asked you, like, describe to me the, what the heart produces, I think that the top two answers that I would get in this room would be this, is that our heart is the center of all of our feelings and our emotions. That's the Western mentality. It's, it's a concept that comes from the Greek. It, 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 they, they had this idea of, 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 of the human, uh, um, human beings having this dividedness inside them. This dualism happening between your head, your rational side, and in your heart, your emotional side. You know what I'm talking about. Like when you have to make an important decision, you often look at it with both sides. Like we're trained to do that. We're trained to think that way. There's always this tension deep inside of us to say, you know, I look at it rationally, but I'm also feeling emotional about it. And oftentimes we struggle, and the Greeks said that that struggle, that's, that's the way we are, that's the way we're built, that's the way we're wired. And there's always this war and this tension about who's gonna win over Am I gonna do it through my mind or am I gonna do it through my heart? And I only ask you, when you have those decision moments, who wins? Do you flip a coin? You know, I don't know. So we understand that to, to a certain degree. And I think sometimes we fall into the trap of separating the two and, and we think that, man, if we could just control our emotions, if we can just be rational all the time and, and, and not just think what's right, but, but, but how do I feel about it? I mean, we're struggling with this. I think so many times we suppress our emotions. And oftentimes a byproduct of that is finding a lot of emotionally unhealthy people. <laughs> but that's not how God designed it. According to his word, he tells us that it's not this, this, this dualism happening here. There's a wholeness that God created us with. And that it's not just a separation, but there's a oneness between your body, between your mind, between your spirit. And so when you read the Bible, when you read these references about the heart, you have to understand, he's talking about the whole being, the innermost core of you. It's not just your feelings and emotion, it's more than that. It goes beyond that. It's the innermost part of you. You know, the Bible talks about this so much. I mean, we even, I was noticing this morning that it's on a lot of our lyrics. You know, we talk about our heart so much. And, I have to understand that it's about the innermost part of us. And the scripture talks a lot about it. If you look at the totality of scripture, it speaks a lot about the heart. In fact, there is 100 in, or 601 references about our hearts in the Bible. Now, I gotta be honest with you, I Googled that, so I'm still researching to make sure that there's 100 or 601, all right? But I do know this through studying Proverbs, there is 97 references of our heart, about our heart, instructions how to care for our heart through the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs, we all agree, is the book of wisdom. And so what it's really saying is that a wise person takes care of their heart well. A wise person is someone who puts attention towards their heart. So the Bible, what does it mean about the heart? What's the capacity? Because your heart has a great capacity and it's something that we need to often think about in regards to the heart. So number one, what does the heart do? The heart has a capacity this way. It has intellectual capacity. In other words, the heart thinks. The heart thinks. The Bible talks about the heart pondering. There's scriptures about the heart considering, even debating. There's no dualism going on. There's a wholeness happening here. It's the central processing unit that directs a person's life. That is the heart. It's not just your feelings and emotions. Your heart is intellectual. Your heart has the capacity to weigh options. It has the capacity to understand. It has the capacity to remember. So it has intellectual capacity. It also has emotional capacity, and we understand this, right? It's in our hearts that we, that we have excitement and we have uh, joy. 
We also can experience sorrow and anguish. The heart can produce bitterness and jealousy and, and um, despair, but it also can produce gratefulness, affection, and love. And all of these emotions are so deep and powerful feelings within us. And according to the Bible, it says that, is that what happens in a person's heart affects the rest of their life. It also has a volitional capacity. What does that mean? It means that it has a will. Your heart can decide. It moves towards what it wants. It creates a plan. Do you know that? See, whatever happens in the heart produces the direction of your life. Jesus said this when Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the last part of our heart is that it has moral capacity. It can be gentle. It can be described as holy, faithfulness, or faithful, pure, and proud. But it also could be deceitful. It could be perverse. I mean, Jesus said that, that you could be defiled by what's in your heart. According to Hebrew thinking, our hearts have this, oh, this mass capacity for all these things. And Jesus said that, that, the, that the heart, your life, could be framed through what's in your heart, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Listen to Jesus' words. It's in Matthew, or Mark 7, verse 21. He says, for from within... From within, from your innermost being, from your heart, a person's heart, come evil thoughts. We kind of get that, but listen, those thoughts, they produce actions. What do they produce? Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness. This all begins in a person's heart. Deceitfulness, lustful desires, evil, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. In other words, they come from our hearts. So when you read all this and you read that list and, and everything that you see that the heart has the capacity for, then now all of a sudden you realize the importance of our hearts, the importance of guarding this heart. And I just believe that as parents, and we need to teach our kids how to guard our, their hearts. We as believers need to learn how to guard our hearts. We know what it, what, what it can do. I mean, we protect valuable things, don't we? I mean, I hope that everybody here locked their car door before they came in here. I mean, I know we're at church and all, but we're in the Fed, right? Like, we get that. I'm sure you locked your doors coming in here, right? I mean, some of you guys go the extra mile and have that security system like a ring or something like that, right? You have cameras. You have a surveillance thing. We, we guard our identities, right? We don't want to be uh, have identity theft happen. We guard our passwords, right? We guard things that are important. We guard our bank accounts, you know? We guard things that are precious to us, not just things, but people. So we understand how to guard things, to protect things that's important, now let's look back at that Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, and in the context of that, read it again as he says that more important than all those things that we guard, all those things that we protect, your finances, your identity, your loved ones, he says, more than all that, above all else, guard your heart. You might go, hold up, Omar, what are you talking about? More than my bank account, more than my children? What are you talking about? How, am I, how is that more important? Well, it is to God. There's some things that we're doing that we've allowed in our hearts that are harming the relationships around us. Because he says that for everything you do flows from it. So we have to understand the priority of guarding our heart, the priorities of our heart. And second, we need to understand the protection of our heart. He says, guard your heart. 
You know, the original translation says, keep keeping your heart. In other words, guard, guard your heart. He says that twice. Guard, guard your heart. What does that mean? So wherever in your life that you put a guard in or a safeguard or a firewall, he says, for your heart, you ought to add to. Are we doing that? Do we understand the importance of that? And that's what he's saying. That's what the author is writing, that you need to keep a, a, a double guard because your heart, my friends, has the power to shape your life. It has the power to change how you think. It has the power to, to give you a new perspective. It has a power to direct your life and to change your morals. So what's the biggest threat to that heart? Why all this protection? Why do we need to guard it as a fortress? Like, why do we have to do that? The good question is, who are we guarding it from? I think that many of us need to understand this, is that we have a real enemy we do. I mean, we battle things within ourselves, but there's also, the Bible describes, is that there are principalities and dark powers that come against people, God's people especially. And there is a spiritual force. There is an existence of the devil. There is a Satan. There is, that he's not just this metaphor of evil. He is a person who does evil a creature that does evil. It is a real thing. Jesus said himself, he says, there is a thief that comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, sometimes I think we don't take the enemy serious enough. But if you knew that there was somebody that existed on this planet whose only objective, whose only agenda was to come after your life to try to take the most valuable thing from you, to steal from you, and to destroy your life, I guarantee most of you guys would come in strapped, Right? You guys would have protection. You guys would make sure you had bodyguards. You guys would make sure that there, that there was some coverage for you. And yet, the Bible's very clear that we have an enemy of our soul. That we have someone that's gonna come against us. Peter warns the church in this. He says, he says stay alert in 1 Peter 5.8. He says, in other words, don't get caught off guard. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour so what is he going to devour? Let me tell you something about the enemy schemes because he's really easy to, to, to call out. What he's gonna try to do is he's not gonna take you out right away. What he's gonna try to do is that he's gonna try to do something into your life that he's gonna try to help do something in you that you would produce something to be harmful for those around you. He's gonna try to take you out as slow as he can to take out the most people he can. And so in order for him to do that, how is he going to come against us? What is he gonna attack? How is he gonna infiltrate our heart or us? It's through the heart. And he knows it. You even see this played out in the early church. In Acts chapter five, there's this man named Ananias. This guy was a guy, he was a member of the church. He was part of the family. He was, he was part of the community. And he, he was somebody who had some influence. And you know, his sin was that he, he, he sinned uh, and lied about his possessions and about his offering. And this is another story, another sermon, another time. But I want you to pay close attention to something here that is said to him that could be a warning to us. It's Acts chapter five, three. It says, then Peter, the apostle, said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? He said, your heart, which caused him to do the things that caused him to sin. See, if you do not guard your heart, if you, do, you have an enemy that will come in and try to fill your heart. And you gotta be careful because 2 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us that Satan himself appears and masquerades as an angel of light. He's gonna try, try to appear things that are good but they're not from God. 
So we need to be careful, we need to guard this thing. And if you're not intentional about it, if you're not focused on it, there's someone out there, the enemy, who is. And he's gonna do everything he can to infiltrate and to bring things. See, the enemy, he can't read your thoughts, but he can put thoughts in there if he's allowed to. How is he gonna do it? He's gonna do it through your heart. So the big question this morning, some application is, how do we guard it then? And I'm thankful for the word of God because it gives us light in that question. He's gonna give us some things, and I'm gonna simplify this because this is the way it helps me understand this, is that we have to guard our hearts from certain things, and we gotta guard our hearts with certain things. Another way to say it is that we have, there might be some things we gotta run from, and there's gotta be some things in our life we gotta run to, and that's gonna help us guard our hearts, and that's what wise people do. See, wise people know the difference, and that's what I'm hoping we gain from the inside of this amazing passage of Scripture. So the Bible is very clear about certain things. It's obvious about some things that it says that believers should not be part of, things you shouldn't allow in your life, things your heart should not cling to. It's very clear. It's very direct. There's very black and white statements in the word of God from Old Testament to New that says you need to stay away from some of these. How many know that? There are some things that are very obvious. And then there's some things that are not as obvious. Why? because they're for you individually. It's the Holy Spirit convicting you. It's the Holy Spirit shaping your convictions. It's the Holy Spirit knowing you and understanding your weaknesses and saying there are some things that you ought to stay away from. Yeah, but everyone else is doing this. Everybody else has this freedom, but to you, the Holy Spirit says, no, that is a weakness for you. Your heart will cling to this, so it's best for you to pull away. It's best for you to let go. That's what wisdom brings in a person's life, is to understand that and to follow that. Paul said it best himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. He says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. He says, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. He made that determination. He understood. See, the Holy Spirit knows you, and he will shape you, and he will speak to you. See, I think maybe for some of us, the journey starts with just us asking God, say, God, what are those things that I need to run from? What are those things I need to let go of? What are the weights that are holding me down? What are the things that are tripping me up? Yeah, they might not be full sin, but man, they got my heart like nothing else. And they're producing things in me that are not of you. So God, where are those? But then there's some things of methods and strategy that God lays out of how to protect our hearts, how to guard our hearts how to guard our hearts. The first thing he says here, it's in the next verse, verse 24, he says, avoid all perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech. He says, in order to guard your heart, you need to guard what you hear, guard your ears. It's amazing that the first thing he mentions is what you listen to, what you hear, what are the, what are the things that you're listening to. Now, I understand I understand that some of us work in workplaces, man, where we're hearing all this noise, all this garbage, right? Negativity, this and that, you know, all this stuff. And, and he's not talking about, I know, I lived and I worked in a lot of places, man, where every day I had to come home and I just be like, give me some downtime to like release all this negative energy, all this negative talk that I was listening to all day, right? I, I get that, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the things that we choose to listen to, the things that we lean into is it gossip? Is it, is it just, is it coarse joke? I mean, whatever those things are, whatever we're leaning ourselves into and that we're choosing ourselves, we start to have an affection for. You know, I had this issue with, um, that, um, you know, I was listening to a lot of talk radio at one time. 
you know, and, and all these sports debating shows and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I was doing hours and hours of listening to all these things, and they were just arguing and debating and arguing and debating. And I became, I was feeling like, man, I was getting really cynical. And then I'd come home, and Missy's like, man, what is up with you? You're argumentative about everything, you know? Like, and I was just realizing that I was putting all those things in my head. And they were grabbing and attaching themselves to my heart. And you might say, well, Pastor Omar, you know, I, I, I've been doing this for years, man. I ain't listen, whatever. It doesn't affect the way I talk. Well, let me tell you, it will affect how you think. That's what happens. Jesus said it himself in Luke chapter six, verse 45. He says, a good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces, this is evil. Listen to this, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. In other words, Jesus is saying that, that as we listen, as we receive, as we lean towards the things that we want to hear, that we have affection towards because it's got our heart, he says that you're building up a treasure. And that's going to come. What you put in will come out. It will, it will come and challenge you on how you think. When you feel weak, when you feel overloaded, when those are going to be the thoughts that you have been storing up inside. And I'm telling you, they're going to have some thoughts that you're like, where did that come from? Why am I so pessimistic about this? Why, why am I so discouraged? Well, I ask you, maybe you're not guarding what you hear. Maybe you're not, maybe, maybe, and it's seeping down into your heart. But the good news about this is that the opposite's also true. If you're feeling like that this morning, then I wanna challenge you to listen to the word of God. Get into the word of God. You know, one thing that really helps me is that I, I go in and I listen to worship music. I'll, I'll clear my head by just listening to worship. It's amazing how that transforms your heart, doesn't it? As you start listening to the lyrics of these songs, these amazing songs that exalt God, and all of a sudden you can just flood those other thoughts with God's thoughts, God's ways, and it will transform your heart. You know, another way that helped me a lot, last night I got to go to a birthday party uh, of a young man just turning 18, and it was kind of an amazing like, just moment that we shared with him because his dad asked some of us who've been walking with him for a few years to write words of affirmation, words that would encourage him, advice. And, and, and so we sat around a fire pit and we started giving him these words and it was just amazing what God was doing. And I was getting blessed by listening to all these words that were affirming God's calling in his life. Some of us experienced that before, right? Allow somebody to speak over you, speak prophetic over you. Maybe you're boggled down by things and worries and I'm telling you that if you just get around the community of God's people, it will build you up. It will build you up and it will change your heart. So he says, guard your, guard your ears. In the next verse, in verse 25, he says, guard what you see. In other words, guard your eyes. Listen to this. He says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. It's weird that he's saying that guarding your heart is in conjunction to where you look. Guarding what you see. He says, look straight ahead. Don't look to the right or left. Don't get distracted, but stay focused on where you want your life to end. Some of us, man, we're just putting our eyes on all these things. We're, we're, we're distracted. We're, we're, we're filling our minds and our eyes and our hearts with all this stuff, all these TV shows and everything. I mean, there's all these, this, this, this disorderly stuff. There's, there's all this stuff that, that is not edifying you as a believer, and yet you're allowing your eyes to gaze too long, your ears to listen too long, and it's affecting your heart. And you're like, no, I don't think that it's affecting me at all. But you realize it is what has been stored up in you, and you've been focusing in on it. And you realize that it's affecting you 
Jesus says this in Matthew 6, verse 22. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Jesus says this. He says, what you gaze at, what you look at, what you put in your heart, it's gonna reflect what's inside. So what are we looking at? Are we guarding our eyes? Are we setting our eyes on things above? He says, guard what you hear, guard what you see. And the last one here, he says in verse 26, guard where you go. He says this in verse 26, he says, ponder, in other words, think through the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left, turn your foot away from evil. And there's some places that we need to stop going to. Do you know where where that line is? And I'm not just talking about maybe physically, but, but maybe emotionally, you know? Like, 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 like there's something, maybe, maybe there's a place you go to to grab your coffee where you kind of like that little flirtatious thing that's going on and, and, and you're just like, oh, it's harmless, it doesn't mean anything, uh, I, I, you know, nothing's gonna happen, but you keep going to it. Why? Because it captured your heart. It did something in your heart. And you keep going, I'm telling you, guard your heart. You might say, well, you know, I'm gonna go see if, you know, my ex is on Facebook, you know, I just wanna see where they're at. You start going there and it's weird how your heart and your mind start rationalizing things and start debating things and oh you know what I'm just gonna look at some posts and you look at some posts and oh you know what I'm just gonna maybe I just see how it's going you know why because it's already getting into your heart you can't stop thinking about it It starts to snowball in you it's kind of like this. this is how temptation happens it happens at first glance the thing about temptation and James says is it's already something that's tempting you from within something that you already have because we have a sinful nature and as soon as we open that up, as soon as it attaches itself to our heart, it becomes 10, 100 times stronger than it was before. And all of a sudden, we get into this trap, and, and we just don't know how to relief, uh, get away from that, and we keep, it starts getting in our heart, starts welling up. We can be emotionally attached to it without even doing anything else on the outside. That's how powerful our heart is. I like to say this. It's kind of like getting a rock that falls off a cliff, right, a really steep cliff. If you can catch it at the beginning, it's a lot easier but if you let it build momentum, if you let it build speed, it can create a lot of damage in the bottom. Guarding your heart is just that, catching it at the beginning, catching it up at the top. I believe that most of the battles, one of the fiercest battles that we fight are the ones in our heart. That's why, he, that's why this writer is saying, guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart because everything you do, everything you are, your legacy is tied to this. Your, your, everything in your family, every your dreams and your hopes is all tied to this heart. Everything flows from it. So now you're saying, okay, help me out here. There's <laughs> some practical things. I love practical steps. I like to walk out of here thinking I can do one more thing that can change and leave me feeling like, okay, I'm going in the right direction. So I said, there's some things we run from, but what do we run, or what do we guard ourselves with? I mean, you know, the secret to a good defense is a good offense, right? I know sometimes it's said another way around, but that's just what I'm gonna say today. Good defense is a good offense. Let me, let me give you an example. All right. Some of you are getting really nervous. Or you're really excited. You're like, oh, Pastor Omar plays guitar. A little bit. Um, you're like, did he write a song? Is he gonna do a mariachi thing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I need visuals. I need something to help me process things. Give me a visual. I'm gonna help you out about our hearts, how we guard them. 
I want to say, like, our heart is a lot like this guitar, right? I mean, this guitar, man, it's an amazing instrument, right? I mean, we loved hearing it lead us in the worship today. We loved, we loved, but, but let me ask you this. Like, this is an amazing instrument that can produce an amazing sound, but it also can produce a horrible sound like this. Right? And, and it's not just the person that, that, that's holding it, right? And sometimes that's the problem, like right now. But, but, even the best musician, if they're playing this guitar and make no adjustments, it can still sound horrible. Why? Because it's not tuned, right? Everybody knows that, that you have to tune a guitar before you play the guitar. I think oftentimes, we're not tuning our hearts towards God. And, and, and we don't understand why, but our life sounds like this. We feel like this in the presence of God. When, when we're trying to witness to the world, it sounds like this. And we don't know what's off. We're still Christians, we still love God, but we've allowed our hearts to be unguarded. We've allowed things to infiltrate our heart, and it sounds like this to the world, to our family, to our friends, and we just don't know how to get out, but we're not tuning our hearts to the things of God. I'm gonna get some help from my, my guy over here. All right, he's gonna help me out. So what do you do? You gotta tune it. You gotta tune it. How do we guard our hearts? We gotta tune our hearts, and how do we tune our hearts? Here's this thing. Something that I learned, okay? Something that I learned about, about um, tuning your guitar, right? You, you gotta kinda match that top string, right? You gotta, you gotta get that, tune, that, that string to the perfect tone, of what you want, and then you start basing the rest of the strings off of that tone. And I wanna tell you, what's the first thing we gotta do to, to tune our guitar, to tune our hearts towards God? Well, let me help you out. It's what you're doing right now. It's sitting in the presence of God with God's people. It's not forsaking the fellowship. Of the, see, when we come together, we build each other. What a great way to start your week is to come together. Now, I know it's vacation time, and we're not always gonna be able to be here consistently, but we gotta be here as often as we can. We gotta come here and show up we got to come here and know that this is an amazing, powerful place where we're in the presence of God. And it tunes our lives. It tunes our hearts. It's so much easier when you make church on Sunday and to be able to fill the week and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. It's so much easier because you're already tuned yourself and tuned your heart to God. And then what you do, the second one is, it sounds a lot like the first one, but it's different. It's this. It's daily spending time with God in his word. Daily spending time with God in his word. You start to just start to, to, to make him a priority. And I'm telling you, this will make the biggest difference in your life. Don't raise your hand, but I know there's some of you guys that there's some times where your spouse turns to you or your family turns to you and say, have you been, been spending time with God? Because you're, you're hard to live with right now. Right? They know the difference. I know the difference. And you know people who spend time with God, and they just, they, they seem different, right? There's something about their spirit. Why? Because their heart is full. Their heart is on tune. Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of the mouth of God. And then the third part of how we guard our hearts, how we tune our hearts towards God is serving. Now, when you hear that word here up front, you're just like, I, I can't serve in the kids' department. Sorry, pastor. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, I can't greet. Or I can't. Well, those are great things, but it's the spirit behind it. It's the heart behind it. It's, it's, it's looking at a need saying, I'm willing to, to do something about it. I'm willing to serve those around me. You know that's the spirit of Christ? is the one who served. Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but to serve, to give my life. Jesus is, 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 when you spend time with God, when you make him a priority, when you tune yourself and your heart changes, you have this attitude of serving, attitude of giving, attitude of saying, life is not just about me. I love what Pastor JC talked about, about just being, being uh, generous with your life. That's the servanthood I'm talking about, that you're willing to give so that others may have. 
You know, there's a couple that comes here every week and, and, and they come here and what, you know what they do? They, they straighten the seats and they put all these the, uh, stuff on the seat backs every week. And they don't just do it as a task. They do it as a ministry. They come and they pray for every seat. They pray for the seat you're sitting in right now because they have a heart of servitude. They have a heart to serve this church and this is what they do. It's amazing. It's amazing. Can we stand? And the last part of tuning our lives is this, is that we gotta look into our lives, we gotta look and search our hearts, and maybe our prayer would be this, is that we need to find what stirs our affection towards God, and we need to do that. This is that unique thing that you're called and you're bred for and you're wired for, is that there's a thing in you that when you do it, man, and you do it unto the Lord, it changes your it changes your heart. It gives you more passion for, but with some of you, it's teaching. Some of you, it's worship. Some of you is, is, is doing some things that you were created for. And when you do it, man, you just feel alive. And for some of us, we've done, we haven't done that in a while. And I wanna challenge you, what is that thing? And do it as often as you can. And you start to see it transform and change your life. So we need to understand the power of our hearts and why they need to be guarded, why they need to be set towards God. Can we pray? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be challenged by your word, God. Now, there may be areas in our life, God, that we've not been guarding well. Maybe that area is in our heart, God, and maybe that's just things that we've allowed in, and Lord, we're coming to you, and we're asking for grace in those moments, and we're asking God for you to cleanse us and redeem that part of us and help us find freedom in that area. So if that's anybody in this room, God, I pray as they submit it unto you that you show them that, God, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And right now, if they bring it to you, God, you will lift them up, and you will change and transform their heart today. And God, for the rest of us, maybe we're just struggling with saying, God, I'm just out of tune. My life sounds a lot like that untuned guitar, but Lord, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna change that right now, God, and so I wanna be committed to these things of continually allow you to tune me up, to set my eyes on you, to set my heart towards you, to listen to your voice and to be directed by you. So I pray for anyone here today and all just their heart right now wide open, Lord, I pray that you show them, God, that you are doing that work right now, setting them up for a great week and a great future. We love you, God. We thank you for your amazing, powerful, and holy work. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. Well, God bless you guys. It's so good to be back with you guys. And remember, pray for camp. It's gonna be amazing. So we'll see you next week. Amen. Praise God.